Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Everyday Enthusiast podcast. I am Chris, your Everyday Enthusiast, and here I like to talk about some of the things that interested me the most over the last week. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. Uh, If you want to like, rate, and subscribe, it would be greatly appreciated. I can also be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. All right, on with the show. So in our fun section here, follow-up slash updates slash notes, the first thing I wanted to bring up here is that I am a day late for the tens of well the tens of you uh, that listen i do apologize um it was a uh, hectic week last week with the holidays and everything and i didn't get quite as much time to take my notes and get everything together as i would have liked so i'm a day late here i do apologize uh one thing i did want to touch on as far as the previous week's Uh, episode or the last episode rather is that there was a re-upload there so last week I did upload the podcast uh, with a ton of coughing included I was very under the weather I'm still fighting it you know with a little one going to daycare and uh, coming back uh, you know he just brings everything back with him and we we get it all so uh, I was a little under the weather still am trying to work on it but at any rate um, you know I I did upload that And at the time uh, of the upload, I didn't know how to edit out the coughing. I recorded uh, the audio in the voice memo app on the iPhone and then uh, uh, imported it to Anchor. But neither the voice memo app or Anchor make it really that easy to, uh, to edit, in my opinion. Then I had found an app called Hokusai2, H O K U S A I. Two or Hokusai uh, edi- audio editor, I think is what it's called. Uh, and wow, what a, what a difference! Uh, it was so easy. It is a free app uh, with with some in-app purchases if you want, you know, all the frilly, you know, features and everything. But honestly, I'm not sure what you get out of the you know the purchase uh, because it does exactly what I need it to do in the free version so I haven't really toyed around with that <clears throat> so I ended up editing out the coughs and re-uploaded the episode so if you saw the episode go up and then it was gone and then back again that's why um, the last thing in our fun section here is a new mic uh, so on Black Friday I did spring for a new mic for the podcast. I am using a Samson Meteor mic. Uh, it's a small USB mic. I know some people might frown upon USB mics in general, just audio quality, but I mean, let's be real. I'm not uh, I'm not making any money off of this podcast. It's just something I like to do for fun. And, uh, you know, but I did want to spring for a little bit of a uh, little, little bit better quality Uh, than what I was using, which was the uh, lightning headphones that come with every iPhone. Uh, It was uh, (laughs) it was not the greatest, to say the least. Uh, I'm really excited about the outcome and what I've heard so far. 
Um, so, you know, if you have any opinions on the quality of the audio in this episode or any of the episodes moving forward, please email me and let me know. I'd love to uh, discuss that with you. All right, so into our topic section today, the first thing I wanted to talk about is an article from 9to5Mac uh, that asks a simple question. And what we're talking about here is thicker iPhones. Would you put up with a thicker iPhone next year for three specific benefits? Those benefits are no camera bump, a bigger battery, and USB-C in place of lightning. Uh, So the short answer for me is yes. Absolutely yes to all of these things. Okay, let's start with the shortest explanation one, USB-C. We've talked about this in the past on previous episodes before. I would really like it if the iPhone went to USB-C or adopted USB-C, if nothing else, because it's the future port for all things. Um, You know, bigger battery, Uh, of course. Yeah, Uh, the phones are thin enough. I have thought this for years and, you know, in previous years, they were even thicker than they are now. But, you know, they were they were thin enough then, Um, you know, I for for longer battery life, I would totally deal with a little bit thicker of a phone. And the last item here, uh, the thing near and dear to my heart is no camera bump. I seriously cannot emphasize enough how much I want this. Uh, it rarely ever creates an issue for me. I mean, the bump itself, uh, you know, I'm not one that, you know, throws their phone down on a desk and just, you know, leaves it there to, to, uh, you know, wobble around when I'm, when I'm typing away, but I loathe the camera bump. I do not know why it's an eyesore to say the least. I guess that's why Uh, it's offensive to my love of design, which we talked about, I think, in the last episode. Um, I know most could care less about this. I really and, you know, it really shouldn't annoy me as much as it does. And I shouldn't be annoyed by it as much as I am. But I am. Uh, This was all if honestly, if this was all that we got out of get out of having a thicker phone, I would still take it. And I think many people would. Uh, Well, I don't know. I I don't want to say that. I think many people would take a thicker iPhone if it meant a better battery. Um, I think that's where people's hangups would be most. But for me, you know, I mean, look, Apple is supposed to be the top of the heap when it comes to design. The sad fact here is that tons of other manufacturers have started using the bump as well or incorporating the bump. Um, And, you know, that could be because of Apple. You know, I mean, when a lot of or when Apple does something, a lot of other companies do it. Um, you know, if it's okay for them to do it and people are still buying phones, maybe we can do it too. Uh, you know, they did it with the notch. Every single, uh, you know, Android manufacturer now has a notch uh, or or did, I guess, uh, aside from Samsung. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast here. But at any rate, uh, I just wish that Apple would set the no bump precedent and that other phone manufacturers would would follow suit. All right. So the next topic I wanted to talk about is, hey, Google on the iPhone. Uh, so the article is uh, from The Verge. Um, and what this is talking about is Google Assistant on the iPhone. Now, this is not new. We have had the Google Assistant on the iPhone for quite a while now. Um, but you had to use it through Siri, uh, or no, I'm sorry. So the new, 
uh, iteration of it is using a Siri shortcut. Before you just had to go into Google's app and uh, hit the button so that it would start listening to you. But now um, you have to go through a Siri shortcut that Google has added into the Google app themselves and you can trigger the assistant through Siri. It's a little cumbersome. I mean, once you set it up, you either say, hey, if you have Hey Siri set up on your phone, you can say, hey, Siri. And then once Siri activates, you say, oh, it just, <laughs> my phone just responded. I didn't really realize that I had that initiated. Anyway, uh, apologies for the disruption there. But once that pops up, you say, hey, Google. Oh, you know what? I'm, what I just realized is that I'm probably triggering a bunch of your phones now. I do apologize. I should use something else here in place of that. But once you say the trigger word, um, you know, it'll pop up and it's ready to listen. But what I do um, is I just hold down the power button to activate Siri and then say, hey, Google, and it drops you right into the Google Assistant app and it's already listening. So you can, you know, do with it what you will. Um, this is convenient if you prefer Google search uh, and their results to Apple's uh, or I guess, you know, whatever Apple searches on the web. A lot of people prefer Google's assistant to Siri uh, as I do. So I've only used it a handful of times, but it works great um, if you prefer it. All right. Uh, topic number three here is Samsung in the new year. So the article linked uh, in the show notes is from artistechnica.com and it's an article about the new slate of Galaxy S phones that could launch sometime in February. Uh, usually they, I, I think in past years, Samsung has launched their Galaxy line of phones at CES in January, which we should all be very excited for. Um, but they're, t they're saying that these could launch sometime in February. So about a month later or so, and they're going to sport sizes anywhere, uh, from 5.8 inches to 6.4 inches. It's very similar to Apple's offering right now. The, uh, 10 S is 5.8 and the 10 S max is 6.5. Um, this is a slight disappointment for me given that it means the phones are not getting any smaller. Although I guess if the bezels on them are decreasing even more than they are now, the actual phone could become smaller with the same size screens. Um, they also talk about a phone called the Beyond X. Uh, it's the, the fourth phone. Uh, I guess there's supposed to be three different sizes between the 8.5 and the 6.4 that we talked about. And then there's a fourth one called Beyond X. Um, that's said to be around 6.7 inches. I'm not really sure why this isn't just the new note. If it's not, maybe it is, you know, um, you know, why, and, and if it's not, then why is it any different? I mean, how is it going to be different? How are they going to differentiate this from the, uh, from the new note? And if it is the new note, um, then you know, are they bringing that up? Cause usually it's released later on in the year. Um, so are they gonna, you know, bring this up and be released with the, the other galaxy S phones. And I mean, if that's the case, I mean, you're really releasing four or five phones all at once. I mean, you know, how do you differentiate those except for just on size? So anyway, um, you know, 
all in, it, it sounds like it could be a big year for, for Samsung. Um, oh, I forgot to mention the foldable phone that we saw leaked. Well, not leaked, sorry, um, but kind of previewed or teased a few weeks ago. But again, in 2019, this could be a big year for Samsung. Uh, we could see some amazing phones from them. They make amazing phones. And I'm not saying that this is gonna make me jump ship or anything, but it does get me excited, if nothing else, just for the competition. I mean, more competition among the manufacturers means that everybody is pushing to innovate and make, you know, better phones all around. Okay, uh, topic number four here is the retro stone. So uh, this is an article in uh, Engadget or on Engadget.com about a retro gaming handheld called retro stone. Uh, now I have talked in past episodes about my love for the Raspberry Pi. And one of the projects I have actually done and built in the past is a retro game console. Uh, you use, I think it's called retro uh, is the... OS that you install on an SD card and use that. Um, and while the Raspberry Pi is also very tiny, uh, it's it's hard not to consider it a portable, um, but it still technically isn't portable in that, you know, it doesn't have a dedicated screen or a controller or power. Um, so you have to plug it into a screen and plug it into power. And, um, you know, so it's not really, really portable. Um, and in comes RetroStone. So this is a completely self-containing Game Boy-like retro console running on something similar to a Raspberry Pi. I don't think that it is actually a Raspberry Pi. And like I said, this looks very much like the original Game Boy with a bigger screen, a better screen, uh, more buttons. There's a few buttons on the back of it so that it will support um, more games, um, you know, newer games that had, you know, kind of shoulder buttons, if you will, and battery power, um, which I think they said in the article that they're getting about, it's getting about five hours on a charge. Not bad, not great, but not bad considering what it is. Um, other things of note here are the fact that like the Raspberry Pi, this is a complete Linux computer that will run right on the screen itself, or you can plug it into a bigger monitor, a larger monitor, but it will run right on the screen. Um, and because it has four USB ports, you can plug in a mouse and a keyboard, and this is a fully functioning computer, sitting on your desk, tiny, tiny little computer. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, because it has power as well, a battery, this is a portable computer. I mean, let's not get into the whole, your phone is a portable computer thing. You get what I'm talking about. But at any rate, this thing is amazing. Now the price tag is a little bit high at $156, but for all that you get, um, you could easily justify this. I mean, you know, a lot of gaming consoles are much, much more expensive than that. And, uh, you know, I could easily justify $156 if I had it to spend, which I don't, I won't be getting this, but, um, it is very enticing. Now you still do have to get ROMs to put on this if I'm not mistaken. And that can be a little daunting if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you know, it's, it's not all that easy. And even if you do know what you're doing, it's a little bit time consuming. And the legality here is a little in the gray area. 
as far as I am aware. Um, I don't think that it is. It technically is not legal to download ROMs and play those ROMs unless you own the game. And even if you do own the game um, or a cartridge or a disc or something like that, I really don't think that the uh, manufacturing companies want you doing this. But at any rate, in the end, <clears throat> I'm very, I'm overly intrigued by this thing. It's retro, as the name implies. It is slightly affordable, and it is a Linux computer. What's not to like here? Topic number five for the day is 10 iOS 13 features for the iPad. Now, this is an article on Macworld.com by Jason Snell. Um, he is well known in the Mac community. You know, it's it's funny actually. Uh, you you don't ever hear somebody say the Microsoft community. Um, I don't mean anything negative by this. I just you know just something that popped into my head. Anyway, uh, enough with the with the tangent here. Um, now I'll have to watch myself here because I could really, if I'm not careful, I could talk on and on for quite some time as far as this section goes. But um, you know, because of that, I'm not going to talk about all ten of the items here. Um, I I'm only going to talk about the ones that I care about most that were in the list. So the first one of those that I wanted to talk about is his number seven, uh, counting down from 10 to one, is more mature content, or sorry, more mature audio support. So this is something you will hear a lot of podcasters talk about. And the basic idea is being able to record audio from one app while using another app to talk to somebody. For instance, you could talk to someone on FaceTime and record the audio with the voice memos app. Right now, you cannot do this. Um, it doesn't have what they might call a dual channel audio input slash output. I don't really know. Um, while I have never had a guest on this podcast, it is something I would like to do in the future, and this would be very helpful. Uh, but as of right now, that's that's not uh, possible. Uh, the next item here is external pointer support. This one is, this is the biggest thing or one of the biggest things holding back the iPad for me from being a laptop replacement. That is because I use Citrix receiver or Citrix viewer um, to remote desktop into my work environment when I'm, you know, working from a day job. Um, right now, you technically can use a mouse with Citrix on the iPad, but it's only a one, uh, it's a Citrix branded mouse, uh, and it's over $100 if I remember correctly, or close to 100 Way, way more than you want to pay for a crappy plastic mouse. I know a lot of people will pay that for a mouse and even more, but this one is not overly engineered uh, enough to warrant a $100 plus price tag. Now, I guess, you know, if you think about it, the issue here, it gets a little muddied because even if Apple allowed uh, mouse support on the iPad, I'm not sure that the Citrix app would recognize it. They might have to code this in and they may not want to. Um, you know, if they're making extra revenue on all those who want to use Citrix on the iPad and have to buy their mouse, their specific mouse. So not only would Apple have to include this in iOS 13, um, Citrix would have to as well. But but that's me personally. That's my personal situation. I would love for this to be the case, uh, and I, I would I would jump on it if they if they offered it. But as of right now, also 
not an option. But anyway, I'm gonna let this one be because uh, I don't know enough on the subject to talk anymore, really. Anyway, the last item is one that I have talked about in previous episodes, and that is external storage device support for the iPad. I really, really need to be able to plug in an external hard drive and move files around. We have a files app on iOS, on the phone, on the iPad, it's uh, iCloud Drive or iCloud Files. I don't, I, I honestly forget what they call it. I use it for the podcast every week and I don't know, but it's a file system. It's a file support. And the fact that you can't plug in an external hard drive is is beyond me. I don't know why. Now, you can argue you can plug one in and if there are photos or videos, it'll open in your Photos app. Um, but that's it. That's it. You can't uh, open it in the Files app and drag those files around. If you have documents on there, there's no way to access those documents uh, on the iPad from an external hard drive. Um, until that is supported, the iPad can and will never be my sole computer. Again, this is very specific to me in general. Um, I would welcome it, but right now, one more time, it's not possible. All right, and the last topic for the day, I'm not gonna dwell on too much here. Um, it is an article by uh, or on Kotaku.com. It's a video game site. It's the past, present, and future of Diablo. It's really what went down with Diablo 3. Um, there's not a lot of news here. I guess there there could you could read this as being a lot of news. It's just a great in-depth story of how Blizzard and Activision are becoming more and more intertwined um, as the days go on and how this may have harmed Diablo. There was a second expansion that was planned for Diablo 3 that was canceled and um, you know they talk about finance starting to make a lot more of the calls than they used to. I think they mentioned somewhere in the article, it's very, it's quite a long read, so you really have to be interested in Diablo and Diablo 3 and the franchise and everything like that, and probably interested in the potential for a Diablo 4 as well. But um, anyway, I, I won't, like I said, I won't dwell on this one too much, but it is very interested if you have interest in Diablo. All right, folks, well, that is going to do it for today. As always, I can be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow along on Twitter, username at enthusiast, or sorry, at everyenthusiast. I'm still learning that one. Um, and on Instagram, if you search everydayenthusiastpodcast. As I said before, this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. Please like, rate, and subscribe where you can. And until next time, stay enthusiastic.